0: 13, sometimes considered a luck- unlucky number, but for vowels, um, I, I wouldn't say that's uh, necessarily the case. How are you, buddy?
1: I, I'm all right, yeah. Uh, I remember if my, I don't know why I remember this, but my laptop number, back in class, we everyone had assigned laptop numbers sure. for the laptops we had in every classroom. And it was just luck of the draw, how my name fell onto the register. Almost every class, my laptop number was 13. 13. <laughs> and every single teacher made the same unlucky for some not. yeah the yeah well obviously didn't call me fails but you know sure sure sure
0: yeah no i i we you know in my school district to kind of give a, a small little anecdote you know we weren't we weren't very uh fancy we had we had calculators sometimes <laughs> you know so sometimes i don't remember what my cal- that's actually a super interesting little piece of trivia that like it's, it's surprising that you remember but it is kind of interesting it is kind I of interesting i don't know why i remember yeah it's it, it, sometimes you just kind of that, that that incredibly useless information just sticks with you and you, and you just remember these dumb trivia facts like recently i had listened to a um a, a podcast where they were they were actually doing some sort of trivia so i guess this makes a little bit more sense um but they were saying how like termites produce the most methane of all kind of like ant, like living life on earth and I'm like termites like what that's so weird or like some it was it was just some bizarre fact about termites and I was like oh that's oh. really interesting and I, I had recently used it but th- we're not here to talk about termites okay we're here to talk Hopefully. about overwatch esports and and what you're doing in it and why 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 this is a thing why why overwatch why what yeah, what got why? you involved with this so it's kind of like start towards the beginning and I mentioned this in the pre-show. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people coming out here and talking to either contenders, coaches, tier three people, even some of the owl personalities. We don't know a ton or a lot about them. So, you know, I, I want to get out there. I want to, you know, meet people, learn about, you know, you guys, because, you know, this is a community that I love and a community that I like, and you guys are a part of it. And we're all kind of, you know, weirdly enough in this together as, as kind of cliche and as cheesy as that sounds. And, you know, I want to get to know everybody and, and, you know, Let's make something something interesting. Yeah. So, you had mentioned that, you know, you, you weren't really much of a a competitive person or much of a competitive gamer, let's say. Um, yeah. you know, playing Halo and these strategy games. How did you get to Overwatch because again, this is something that I hear a lot within the community. People don't necessarily Um, have too much competitive esports experience even with viewing it so what what got you to, to swing the needle when it came to overwatch
1: uh i well i got into overwatch the game because it was just some of my some of my online friends who we had similar interests in terms of games played all the same strategy games played binding of isaac runs against each other all the time where you input the same seed and you race to see who gets to the end first and what your runs turn out as and that was something I, I spent a lot of time uh, just doing those with my friends mm-hmm. and then one day one of them said to me hey have you seen this new overwatch game i watched a couple of videos online uh, it looked pretty interesting just picked it up and started playing with them and yeah Aside from like messing around in custom games on Halo back when I was 13 on my Xbox, or occasionally running around GTA, which I never got too <laughs> into. Again, I was, especially on GTA 5, I basically just did races with my friends, never got re- really into any of the other aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I. It was. It's just the first competitive game I really got into. I played plenty of games all from my teenage years, but it were never like League or CS:GO or anything. That stuff just wasn't for me. They did, same friends tried to get me into League briefly, but it was just too much of a learning curve too early.
0: That, yeah, definitely. I, that's um. That's the weird thing about you know, esports and what games like qualify or, you know, you can project as like being interesting when it comes to like a competitive sense is that, you you know, people tend to look at league because it's so like globally popular and still is, and it has been for so long, but there is like so much of a learning curve that it's, it is surprising that people do gravitate towards it and, and like playing it so much. And it, it it says something about uh, people that, you know, I don't think, they need to be as catered to as some as they are sometimes like i think you know people are a lot more intelligent than they give themselves credit for um which which is a scary thought to say after reading some of the things i saw on twitter this morning but uh um, yeah you know it 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 is what it is i'll I'll give i'll give y'all some some credit to be fair but you know to kind of intro you you know you you've done a lot of broadcasting i met you through broadcast gg you know doing you know analysis here and there and casting and i believe that's how you started in
1: like at newell correct like you uh, yes yes okay so um, good my intro to casting came with rook f- someone who i talk of a lot is a mm-hmm. good friend of mine uh if you, anyone follows me on Twitter, you'd probably see me ragging on him a lot for some of his not great opinions about Overwatch. Fair. He follows like 10 games, it's hard for him to keep up. Mm. I, can't, I can't make fun of him too much. But yeah, we met that summer just playing Overwatch. And I say that summer, it was 20, 2017, so a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. And at some point, probably about October, we have both figured at the same time, let's give this casting thing a go. We tried a couple casts together, actually casting our own university scrims both of us go to university we he knew the esports org at his uni i got introduced to my esports org through it Mm. and we just casted our uni scrims and it was really rough but Mm. it was interesting we had a lot of fun doing it and i can't remember specifically but somewhere along the way one of us found broadcast gg and introduced it to the other and that's when we got involved with the broadcast gg community
0: mm okay it's it, it does feel like casting for some people is kind of an entry point, but you know, now you've transitioned into a coaching aspe- aspect, which is something that I think uh, makes a lot of sense hearing that you've played a lot of what sounds like 4 x games. would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, uh well, it was more. Grand strategy was more my thing, I guess. Okay. Like all the paradox games, sure. European Universalis, Crusader Kings, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Because I was a huge history nut as well, and I appreciated mm. learning that while I was playing. But yeah, I did play a lot of Civ as well. Those kind of four X games. Okay. It, it I I like solving puzzles, I guess, and I guess you that can view sense. them as one large abstract puzzle. Sometimes, I don't know.
0: I think I think that's you know, it, like I said, it, it, I think it plays very well that hand that skill set plays very well within, you know, working with a team, working with, you know, so many different personalities, what they like, what they don't like, what you think is good versus what, you know, other people think is good. You know, it is kind of a, an insolvable puzzle and it, it, it makes sense that at least to me that you'd be interested in it. But, um, what, what, what was the driving force of, of moving away from doing broadcast work and, and working with, uh, the contenders scene? So,
1: a lot of it came down to whenever I would review my own broadcast work, whether it was casting, whether it was analysis, whatever, the number one thing I came away from is I want to improve my game knowledge. I don't feel like I made enough good points here. I don't feel like maybe my analysis was good enough. I want to be smarter. And maybe that wasn't always the most justified response. Maybe there are definitely other things in my casting and analysis I need to work with. Sure. But it was always just a drive to learn as much as I can. And at some point, I just thought to myself that maybe the best place is going to the best place for me to get that experience to learn as much as I can would be hands on working with a team, seeing what that environment is like, chatting with other coaches and players in the scene, seeing scrims for myself and figuring out from there. And it just felt natural to make the jump
0: did you kind of see yourself making the jump at any point when you were doing casting or was that like a a back thought that you kind of would would keep in your back pocket like if this doesn't work out maybe you know pursue this but you know was it a gradual transition or was it just you know like i maybe i just want to work with a team maybe it's maybe i do just want to you know work as an analyst and and, you know working with coaching people like what how drastic was that change
1: I think for a lot of time, I just kind of had my heart set on broadcasting. I loved casting. I loved being uh, on the analyst desk. I still do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was only the last few months of last year that I just was more more and more interested in what actually happens behind the scenes with some of these teams. I've spoken to coaches and learned a lot from them. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'd say it almost was kind of drastic because I think from considering making the jump to putting up my lft post to joining the team i'm on now that was less than a month Mm -hmm. it was maybe a very sudden transition but looking back i'm not surprised i made a transition it was probably always going to be where i ended up with like i say with that constant driver learning as much as i can about the game it probably the best place for me to be
0: Now, kind of uh, speaking on that, we don't have to go into too much of the history with the team, but it is kind of interesting, and I didn't plan it this way, but Dream, somebody that uh, I believe, if I'm remembering the story correctly... He was actually fairly integral with you working with Square One, the team that you're with now, that actually yeah. did make contenders. So, congratulations! Leave all the praise Thank down you. below. Uh, that you know, y- your boy Vals is is a contenders coach now. That's that's yeah. incredible to to kind of say. And again, super jazzed and and very proud. Um, so yeah, like what uh, what went into you joining the team and and you know grinding through? Op- was it open and then to trials or were you guys already in trials? Yes, yeah.
1: I I joined week three of open, I want to say. So there was always a bit, already a bit foundational for a team. We'd already sure. kind of established ourselves as one of the teams to watch going forward. But I was there to, as, down the home stretch through the last couple of weeks through playoffs and trials. Uh, making sure that we are the best we can be and mm. now going forward from the contenders again it's making sure we're the best we can be uh, I'm obvi- obviously I'm only an assistant coach I don't maybe set the agenda for the team but I'm there to be an extra set of hands put the extra work in making sure it's not all just on a head coach and helping him out however I need to uh, and as for Dream what you were saying Dream is another person I met through Broadcast GG, actually in okay. his brief stint as a caster himself <laughs> I th- believe it was one of the broadcast GG G- screen nights we do. I mm. was just, just randomly paired up with him for one of them. And I think it's kind of funny looking back at it that Dream, uh, to his credit, is one of the brightest minds in tier two at the moment uh back then i had no idea who he was and i made him be my play-by-play because i thought i was i wanted to be the smart one mm-hmm. <laughs> i i also stutter too much for play-by-play so that's my excuse but i just think that's funny to look back on that i was paired up with him not knowing who he is and i made him be i made him like make me look smart but, do you yeah. remember mm-hmm.
0: if this was before or after the the jane contest that kind of uh...
1: This was maybe a month or two before the Jane Contest. Uh, I, remember, I remember, I still didn't know him that well, but we chatted occasionally and sure. we followed each other on Twitter when the results from that came out. And I thought, huh, maybe this guy's actually pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, <laughs> now look where we've ended up.
0: Yeah, both but, of you, you know, in contenders. I, You know, if I'm remembering correctly, this I think he previously worked with this team.
1: I don't think he'd worked with this team directly, but okay. he... He had previously worked with Applewood, our head coach. Okay. On, I want to say it was on the flank. One of the teams Apple had been on mm. like a couple months beforehand. And if again, if I'm remembering correctly, he'd worked with a couple of players in that regard as well. But gotcha. I don't hop into that. Not the exact he, roster. Yeah, I know okay. at least he'd worked with Apple and was. He, he was aware that Square One was looking for someone else to help Apple out, and he thought I would be a good fit for that. So yeah, he put me in touch with Wow Square One's manager. Uh, we chatted a bit. I had a couple trials with the team and they decided to pick me up. So I guess, yeah, it was all thanks to one random scrim night back like last May, June, I want to say I've ended up in this position.
0: It, it is very crazy. You know, the, the, we are still in a very wild West um, ecosystem. You know, esports yeah. is not uh there's no solid path. You know, you, you go in, thinking you're super passionate about one thing and then you end up being like a business product manager for some company, you know, it, it, there's, there's doors everywhere. There's so much room to, to kind of slot in that you'll probably find the right path sooner or later, even though it might not hit you right in the face. Yeah, it, it, it is cool that, uh, you know, you go from broadcasting and you find like a new passion and you have, you know, ways to, to kind of explore it, you know, i There's, I think everybody in esports has those, at least those potentials, you know, that those potential moments that, you know, you meet this person, this person introduces you to this person, and then you, you know, talk to them and there could be a door there.
1: Maybe one of the most underappreciated things, at least when people try to start out in esports, making Mm. the naming, casting or broadcasting or whatever, networking is so powerful. Mm. There are so many things that I... Obviously, being on Square One is the main one, but there were so many things over the last year that I've done that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for One Chance Encounter. Yep, yep. and it's not—you don't even have to be actively networking; it's just keeping tabs on everyone you know, I guess.
0: No, exactly. No, networking is incredibly important. Um, I would have never been involved with Broadcast GG, or I've never really even considered it if I didn't go to BlizzCon 2017 meet with Nuki and, and Mushu Beef, you know, the, the kind of director at Broadcast GG, and he kind of pitched me on the idea, and I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll
1: give it a chance. Um, I, I actually remember probably about a month or two after I joined the survey, you did an mm. office hours for Broadcast GG. And I, I remember Volamel was some journalist name I'd yep. heard of, but wasn't too familiar with who he was. But I remember sitting in that office, I was just listening, and I thought, Hey, this is pretty cool. This guy's making any sports. Maybe I can do that one day. <laughs> even, even though journalism is a path I've never really gone down, it's sure. like, funny where we end up.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Like, not to not to speak on it too much, but yeah, like the same thing with you. Like, there's there's there have been doors that have been open to me that have been very interesting that I've turned down, but some of them weren't uh, weren't my choice, and some of them were. You know, some of them definitely. Uh, were not necessarily the the correct fit at the moment. But we'll we'll yeah, see what actually. happens. You know, sometimes sometimes you just gotta go for it, you know. So 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 talk to me about square one. You know, you're in what? NA West?
1: Is this right? Uh so I know it doesn't necessarily I mean, yeah, kind of I, matter. I couldn't tell you, honestly. I know we're in one of the yes. two NA groups. The terms West and East aren't really used internally, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I'd have to check the Contenders website, honestly, to tell you. I know internally. You know what B.
0: teams? Yes, Group B. You have Atlanta group Academy, group. Second Gen, yeah. Skyfox's, Phase 2, Energy, all those teams. Yeah. Um, we are Group
1: B. We play on Wednesdays, and we have all the really hard <laughs> academies. That's, that's I'm aware of that.
0: It does feel like there is a density to it, right? It might not be the best teams, but there is like a very close amount of parity. Absolutely.
1: Um, mm. I don't like putting too much stock in that, though. I'll be honest. I feel like, sure, maybe there's some teams in the other group that maybe we are, how can I phrase it? We know a little bit more about, we maybe scrim against a little more favorably in sure. some of our past scrims against teams in our group but i don't think it's i don't think it's worthwhile just kind of nesting on that oh we've got the tough group we've we aren't going to do well because we've got all the tough teams we'd have mm-hmm. a much better run if we're in the group i don't feel like that's a great mentality that i have sure, and sure. i don't like putting too much stock into it sure maybe it there is a lot it's a lot more like you say, maybe the density is a little bit worse in our group, but mm. it's just me- making the most of what we've done so exactly. far. We haven't let anything like that get in the way of us so far, and we're just going to make the most of it and do our best. Yeah, I mean,
0: coming from Open Division, going through trials and making any contenders, I think you... Um, there's, there's, I wouldn't say there's no expectations, right? Obviously, everybody yeah. wants to play well, and, and the idea is to win and make showdown and this, that, the other thing. But... It, it is about just, you know, it, it just is, you know, it, it, there is no good or bad. You just take what's in front of you. And like you said, you just got to make the most of it. So absolutely what, um what's, what's it like behind the scenes? You know, you, you started on the auxiliary end of, of the competitive scene, you know, working and broadcasting and doing, you know, analysis. And now you're working actually in kind of backstage almost. So what's, you know, we, we talked about the transition between roles, but what's been the transition um, kind of from just your own self perspective? You know, what, what's it like actually working with teams? Is it, is, is it what you would have thought? Is it a little bit different? Kind of yeah. dive into that. For it, me. Is,
1: it is. It's interesting. It's simultaneously more work and less work than I imagined, because mm. uh, just on the last one, I feel like a lot of time, especially with coaches and analysts, there's a tendency to... Make your work seem bigger than it is. Sure, sure. Like maybe make some of your strategies seem more in depth than it might actually be. To I think what I'm trying to get at is, from the point of view as a caster or broadcaster talking to coaches in the past, a lot of coaches try to like to big up what they and their teams do and maybe but make it seem like there's more thought and more in depth analysis going into some of the stuff that happens than it actually is. And while that's not always the case. It can make trying to get into that scene, maybe from not my perspective when I was having these conversations, but just as a coach coming in, it can seem a bit, how do I process all of this? Mm. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, How are these people so smart? How do they know everything? Um, So, maybe it was a little bit of a reality check that while there's definitely a lot of work that goes into, it's not as big and grandiose, especially at the tier 3 scene, as sure. some coaches like to make it out to be. That said, I don't think casters and broadcasters, from both my experience of being one and talking to people I still know in the scene, appreciate how hard a lot of these teams work to figure out stuff. Sure. Uh, I feel like I hate it's something that I'm guilty of looking back, but I hate the idea that there's no organisation in these teams. They haven't thought things to They're just going with comfort picks mm. or that, or it just looks like my ladder games. Because you go into everything with a plan. You go into everything wanting to win. And even if that's not actually clear, I feel like from a broadcast perspective, it's made me appreciate that you need to at least try to figure out what the thought sure. is. Because there is always going to be fault there. These team, these aren't people playing for fun. These are people playing to try and make a livelihood out of this because they are chasing a dream. Mm. And I feel like it can be very easy to be dismissive of that sometimes on very broadcast. So. Because it, if you don't immediately understand what's going on what, and what the thought processes are that means there must be no fault processes and that maybe that's one i think grievance is a strong word but it's something i've definitely noticed from being behind yeah. the scenes on that side of it
0: definitely it, it's something that's very easy it, it's kind of a pitfall for for broadcasters that like you mentioned if i don't understand it then there must be there must be not a lot there and you know yeah. Then you try. Then you try to support it and say, "Well, I mean, they are a contenders team, so I can't really blame them, or they're oh, they're just an open division team, so just a trials team." But like you said, like these are people that have coaches that want to be want to further themselves. There's players that are fairly intelligent. You know, as much as I can, I can rag on players at times for being just you know uh, mechanical little robots. Oh, yeah. Some I, of them I are, but help. some of them
1: aren't. Yeah, that's something definitely I've learned to appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. Players have a lot more say in that stuff than I think people really appreciate sure, from the outside. Sure. In. It's not like it's, they, it's not, I don't want to give the impression players run the show, but <laughs> no good coach dictates. You always listen mm-hmm. to feedback players, talk things through with them. Um, it's not just one person sitting atop a throne dictating orders yeah. out to everyone else well you definitely have coaches there to set the agenda mm. put the extra work in to figure out what exactly you need to do, what your strengths and weaknesses are It sometimes the top down perspective of a coach isn't a substitute for the actual hands on experience of the players and you have to have that dialogue going yeah. back and forth there's definitely a lot to learn from the people who are actually playing these games at that level as well as the coaches.
0: One anecdote that I will give um, from somebody who I'm, I'm fairly sure you'll be familiar with. Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, Monte Cristo did not begin his his journey in in any sports as a caster in this big grandiose, very verbose kind of, um, hyper articulate personality. Um, I'm, I'm very fond of Monty, so I, I say those words with the the utmost respect, to be fair. Um, but he started as a journalist and actually worked with a team, CLG, in League of Legends. And he was one of the earliest coaches in in nor- the North American League scene. And he went on record during a kind of this, this press junket interview with Riot Games, the creators of League of Legends, um, saying... Something to the degree of, you know, I don't need to, to really worry about the, the micro aspects of my team. I trust my players to be able to pull off all of these different little plays. But when it comes to these big picture ideas and these concepts that they might not be familiar with, that's where a coach comes into it. Would you kind of agree that's been your experience?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say it's clear cut. I, we don't worry about micro at all, players don't worry about macro at all, but I can appreciate that players will know something about the character the heroes mm. they play individually, that as a coach, I don't know and I'm constantly learning from them, and maybe there's some things that I'll never know, but as as a coach it's your job to know more about all the character, all the heroes as a whole and everything as a whole, than the players know about I'm trying to think of how to phrase it You kind of become the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. Maybe that It's that that same kind of sentiment. It's being able to pull it all together as Mm. a coach, effectively. And maybe while micro and macro isn't the right way to distinguish it, Mm. there's definitely a lot of things we look at on the micro level as coaches as well, and players definitely have their input on the macro level. I can appreciate where Monty is going from, yes. Yeah, okay.
0: Now, for you and your, you know experience with this you know how how you know refresh my my memory how long actually have you been with square one can't be uh,
1: too terribly long my the i was officially announced back on christmas eve <laughs> sure um i can't remember the specific date i was actually right. offered the position it was a couple days beforehand i'd been in trials with the team sitting in a couple scrims leading vod reviews for at least two weeks before that before mm. that so it's kind of start of December, mid-December, so looking at about two and a half months as of recording.
0: When you hear about coaches, and at least in, in my perspective, um, you start to see this dichotomy or this, this scale of how player focused they are. So like not necessarily wor- worried about in-game mechanics and rotations and, you know, gameplay specific things. Mm-hmm. And then you have people that are hyper about the gameplay and, and, Kind of these incredibly big-brained galaxy and like whatever meme you want to come up with incredibly wrinkly people that they're brains that just worry about the analysis and, and try to find the most optimal ways of doing things but they might not necessarily be um super player centric and and they aren't uh the best in social situations let's say where do you think you fall? I mean, again, I I know that you haven't been necessarily doing this for all that too long, but I think this is something that is very suited for you. Have you put too much thought into that? And where do you think you fall on the scale?
1: I feel like I'm a fairly happy medium. Um, okay. Particularly throughout trials, I did a lot of work. A lot of my job was looking at the strategic side of things, scouting against who we're going to be playing against, figuring out what they do, some of their tendencies, and how we can effectively plan against that. Mm -hmm. But I do definitely contribute to maybe the micro stuff as well, figuring out individual stuff for our players, what they can be working on, that kind of stuff. I don't, I feel like, especially in our system, we have Apple who, especially more recently, is looking at a lot of that micro stuff, making sure every individual player is working as best we can. We recently picked up another european coach called gizmo who i'm excited to be working with who is very strategically minded Mm -hmm. likes to look at those big pictures figuring out all the macro plays all the stats and data and then i sit somewhere in the middle i help both of those with their roles i have my own stuff somewhere in the middle that i work on and i feel like my role is probably best summed up by assistant coach i have my own definitely have my own stuff that i work on like Again, through trials, I did a lot of our scouting. I've worked a lot on our com structure within the team. But a big part of it is assisting the other coaches. If they have something they need working on, but they don't have the time, I'll just I'll sit and grind through all the stuff to make sure they what they're trying to do is up to standard. Effectively, I came into the team without really having that speciality because I didn't obviously didn't have the experience. Right. So it is a little bit of learning on the job. Uh, Just going back and forth, doing whatever the team needs of me effectively.
0: I mean, that's, that's, you know... Even when you... It sounds incredibly gatekeepy for me to say this, but... (laughs) When you get into esports, it is kind of just yeah. like building the ship as it's flying, you know, building, building the yeah. boat as it's sailing or the, the plane as it's flying. It, it is kind of fly by night in some senses where one day here's the plan. This is what we're going to do in five hours. It could be completely different. And we have no yeah, idea definitely. what that the plan is. So it definitely yeah. is as par for the course that uh, I hear, you know, you, you come in and. You just jump into it. If you need me to work with a player and talk to them and kind of be a personal therapist, I can do that. If you need yeah. me to review this team and figure out why they're running Ash on whatever map, I can do that too. Like, just completely flexible. You are just putty in your yeah. head coach's hands. So I, I definitely <laughs> yeah. can 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 kind of sympathize with that idea.
1: Yeah, it, well, it's not just putty in the head coach's hands. There's a lot of stuff the players will ask me to look at sure. as well that I'll go away and do. But it is... While I definitely have things that I like to take the lead on and look mm-hmm. at, again, com structure is a big one. Our scouting was a big one. A lot of work I do is just whatever needs doing, I will mm-hmm. sit
0: and do. And and I think that's a, an incredible attitude to have, especially because this industry and because this environment is so sought out after, you kind of have to be willing to just go out there and just yeah. do whatever. And that, again, that means that sometimes you will veer off that path. Like you might want to get into broadcasting and you might, because you're just doing so much other stuff, so much auxiliary things, you know, studying game knowledge and this, that the other thing. You might, you might fall in love with that. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying this is your story, but would you say that that kind of makes a little bit of sense?
1: Yeah. uh, It kind of goes back to what we were saying about how so much of your time in esports can be, so, so much in esports is opportunities that come up from just maybe one chance encounter, sure. and the same thing can apply to this. It'll be, you'll be happily working away one thing, and you'll get a brief glimpse into something kind of related, but also completely different, and you'll love that even more. Mm. Like again, making that transition you're saying with Monte Cristo from being a journalist to working with a team to now being on broadcast. Me going from broadcasting, which I still do, I still do ca- cast and do analyst desk stuff but making that transition to coaching has definitely been a good experience. I'm really enjoying working with the team. Let, let's yeah.
0: face it, you know, it's, there's not going to be a whole yeah. lot of time to broadcast when you're in the Overwatch League working with the, you know, <laughs> the Detroit Dumpster Fires. Yeah, well, it's going to be... <laughs> Chicago Dumpster Fires. Okay, fair. If you want to work for Chicago, because I know you're a Bears fan. Speaking of, yeah. <laughs> to kind of backtrack a little bit, because we didn't do a whole lot of housekeeping, how okay. how did you get into American football?
1: Uh, So... It's. It comes from me being Welsh. Um, okay. Maybe it's not something that Americans are so familiar with, but Mm-mm. I am Welsh, and that means rugby runs in my blood. Okay. Um, where there's the American stereotype of going out to the park with your dad with gloves and a baseball and playing catch that way. For me, catch was my dad was passing a rugby ball around. Sure. Um, I started playing rugby for my school team probably at about age 11. Mm-hmm. um because the school i went to before didn't have a rugby team it was only when i moved up to our version of high school and i started doing that started playing for the rugby club down the road for a couple years and at some point in the middle of all that um i had a couple friends who were into american football obviously american friends being raised on the internet just playing games all the time i had sure. friends from all over the world i don't know i had american friends who talked about american football a lot and i thought what actually is the difference? Sat and watched, <laughs> sat and watched clips of American football a bunch on YouTube to figure out what the difference between it and rugby was. Mm. And at, at some point, quite quickly, really, I realised I actually like this more. Um, so went back to those same friends, asked them a couple of questions about it, and by far and away, the most enthusiastic guy was my friend Phil, who is from Chicago. Uh... So it was just natural that he got me into the Bears. And it's been rough. <laughs> it's been a really good year recently. This year, sure couple years before that were pretty bad. Well. yeah
0: i mean you know as as somebody from detroit not necessarily super about you know sports you know i i'll follow yeah. the tigers if they make you know the they're, they're making a playoff run or I'll, I'll i'll watch the red wings from time to time if they're doing something cool but uh one team that uh, almost never does anything cool is our football team the lions yeah. they are yeah. absolutely trashed here so you know i i again i i sympathize you if if your team's doing bad you you have a uh yeah soft spot in my heart yeah <laughs> now with with in regards to rugby would you say that um you kind of took up a leadership position when you were you know coming up through the ranks within the the rugby org the the, the kind of team you're working no, with
1: no? no i um i i'm not the most physically gifted person uh and while i really enjoyed <laughs> playing rugby man, i played a lot sure. of rugby I was not very good at playing rugby. Um, well, it, it's it's less of a okay.
0: question of being good, and yeah. you taking up like kind of it, what I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, was there hints during and outside of gaming that kind of you can see now looking back? Like, would were you kind of working with players on your team, even though you weren't the most physically gifted? Was there uh, kind of like a leadership aspect that you were interested in with with, I, with rugby?
1: Looking at rugby, I wouldn't say so, but it definitely, there was definitely a love of competing that I had with mm. rugby that suddenly rekindled when I came back to working with a team. And yeah. even if it wasn't as directors, you were saying maybe working with players on that kind sure. of thing. And even if it was never in that, that in depth, there was always a drive to figure out, so what is actually happening mm-hmm. here? What is actually the macro behind rugby and American football when I got into that? and even if they still aren't things that i still know a great deal about it's still something i'm interested in and i can see where i laid the foundations for something i do know a lot about overwatch mm-hmm. i'd say i know a lot about i can see where it laid the foundations for that constant drive to learn more and then put that to work
0: that's something that i find you know as a, as another narrative topic as, as a theme that kind of permeates between players and casters and coaches and you know engineers that that work in this space because it is kind of centralized around one kind of gaming idea especially if you're doing one title you know if it, if it be overwatch dota csgo whatever you know you you kind of have to be interested at least in the game you know you might not have to play it you know religiously and be you know a grinder in that sense but you at least kind of have to be interested in it right and yep. a lot of what you become interested in, at least it feels like what a lot of the stuff that people that I interview become interested in, they have kind of past tendencies that they kind of fall back on, but it's within this game and, you know, they really enjoy that. You know, I, I talked to iShiny Shiny. I want to say a year ago at this point in a written interview, and he talks about how he set up this whole big structure at his camp on his college campus and built like you know from scratch like this Tespa org that did really well, and like he's just super leadership focused. And now he he puts that within his team. I think he played for Vision at the time, and um, if I remember correctly, he was their caller and has like a very structured idea of what he wants to do. Like and and you can see that in his history. So it was kind of interesting just to see if you know there was a there was an instance that you could think of that um yeah. you know with whether it be forex games or rugby or you know strategy is it do you think like that kind of molded your idea or do you just not yes. think you have enough life experience to kind of pull pull back on that just yet
1: i i think it kind of comes back to what i was saying about always wanting to learn more about the game sure uh it's i like learning uh i'm a big history nut i mm. Used to read a lot about linguistics actually, uh, just because. Was I was I to me. somebody
0: did mention that to me. We'll get it. I'll, I'll write that down. Continue. I'll I'll, I'll, okay. n- I'll put I'll put a pin in that.
1: Okay. Uh, but yeah, I would just maybe the best word term for me is fixations. I mm. would pick something and I would just learn as much as I can I could about it for maybe six months, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And the two things that have bucked that trend are maths, which I currently study at uni, and was always just kind of naturally there for me and Overwatch. The I don't while I've had those fixations that I've focused on and learned as much as I can for a couple months at a time. Mm-hmm. It, Overwatch is the only thing that has really broken past that level in terms of there's so much more I can still learn it, still be learning. It almost feels like the more I learn, the less I know. And it's mm. that it's just a drive to keep learning as much as I can and now I've kind of found a team I'm really happy with square one and I've got got a, love, a lot of lovely people on the team and even if it's not for me personally in that sense it's making sure I can advance everyone else as much as I can I have all this knowledge I'm still learning and this is something to actually put it towards because it's going to put all these people in the best place they can be as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a win-win, you know, in a, in a yeah. selfish way. You know, we we <laughs> look at coaches as being these these absolute angels, these martyrs that, you know, come down and bless the players with, you know, structure and, you know, uh, some form of discipline. But in, in a sense, you know, there there is, you know, a personal brain that you want to build and, you know, you want to further your career. So it's, it is doing a good job for them. And I think that's necessarily... Um, the first priority, I would say, for a coach is yeah. that you want your players to succeed, and they they should be your first priority. But in a sense, like you, you do want yourself. To, you you want to pursue your own career. You want to find your yeah. own way to a contenders academy team, and then maybe okay. into the Overwatch League in some facet, or you know who knows. Maybe maybe something you, else will pop up.
1: Even if it's not advancing my own career in that sense, it's. Again, going back to, I enjoy learning. Sure. Um, the, more, the more work I am doing with the team to put them in a the position I am, it's the more I'm learning and the more I'm enjoying my work as well. And mm. that is a big part of what's driving me in this situation. I want to be able to have as many answers to as many questions about the game as I can.
0: And I think it was with Ham in, in her, our interview or, or the, her episode, I think was episode 11, don't quote me. Um, I think, yeah, she mentioned that you were super into rugby, which I thought was interesting. And I think yeah. she also mentioned, like you had, you know, a couple seconds ago talked about, um, you were funnily enough, super interested in linguistics. But before I get into that, would you say, or would you agree with the statement that at times you have trouble focusing?
1: Uh, sometimes.
0: And then would you agree with the statement that at times you have trouble
1: stopping focusing definitely okay yeah i, I can definitely appreciate look a lot of those it does kind of work both ways and that it mm-hmm. just the mentality changes depending on what the topic at hand is like of i course. said i'll have had these six for a couple of months but there's nothing that's gone quite to the level that i my degree or, mm-hmm. or overwatch itself has but, Do you, yeah, I can appreciate
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, I don't know if it's necessarily like, mm, I, I find that a lot of people, I don't know if you want to call them millennials. I think that's a loaded <laughs> term these days, but a lot of people our age, um, well, actually, I don't, how old are you? You're like 22, 23, 20. Oh, okay. So you're, okay. So you're not really, I mean, yeah. kind of, but
1: you, yeah. you see what I'm saying, right? I, I, I appreciate that. Especially as the coach of analysts, I am on the younger side. That's yeah, definitely. Something I've come to appreciate shape the last few months. I mean, to be
0: like, are there are there some players on Square One that are older than you? Is that weird?
1: I um, There are two other players my age, but my birthday is before him. And there is only oh, okay. one player on the team who's actually older than I am. Mm. They don't tend to be. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. They, you
0: know, people are people. <laughs> they don't. Their age doesn't have to dictate if they're problem yeah. children or not, but, <laughs> but to, to, you know, uh, what ham had brought up, you, you were interested in linguistics. Um, I don't remember exactly how we got on that subject with her,
1: but I'd, I'd have to, I'll have to go rewatch that episode. Yeah. So I, I,
0: I want to say up. that she, it came through rugby and she mentioned she was interested in rugby and I think she dropped you. It came up in me kind of doing research for her. Um, I think she talked about it with, with trade on his his podcast but yeah linguistics kind of uh explain that one for me that's that's kind of out
1: of left field i c- i couldn't tell you where it came from okay. um i remember at some point i came i became aware of conlanging which mm. is a constructed language it's think of all like elvish from lord True. of the rings stuff from of thrones at some point I don't, I don't think it was because of Game of Thrones. It was probably a little while before that became a big thing. At some point, I became aware of the presence of constructed languages, and that was my fixation for a couple mm. months after that. Uh, I just enjoyed seeing in my room coming up with all these rules for all these languages, uh, and that led into even when the I am not the most creative person in the world, and even when those juices started to run out and I couldn't actually, didn't have the desire to actually come up with those languages anymore. Mm. The actual underlying linguistic rules really interested me. Um, and I think, honestly, if maths hadn't always been the natural path for me academically, I would probably be finishing up my linguistics degree right now. It was just that interesting for me at the time.
0: And it was, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not necessarily about learning other languages, because I think that's that's another term that i'm uh, polyglot i think it's called like learning yeah. somebody who just is like super into like learning other languages but linguistics yeah. is learning how they work correct
1: yes it's um i used to know a really good comparison for this a really good anecdote <laughs> it, it's escaping me um but yeah definitely it's like asking asking someone who uh, i don't know I'm struggling to put it together. But yeah, fair, I, that's fair. I, I only speak English. I speak a very little bit of Welsh that my dad taught me, and that's mm. it. I know people who start linguistics who do speak a couple extra languages, mm-hmm. but it's about na- not learning mm. languages themselves, but where they came from, what the underlying rules are, how grammar structure works, how, uh, how our voices work, how we make all these sounds, and what the rules dictating those sounds are, how languages have evolved over time. Again, going back to enjoying history, that's something else mm-hmm. I really enjoy it's a lot of that underlying rules as to why it works rather than actually learning the languages themselves again goes
0: back to you know the the whole kind of theme that this this interview is uh i wouldn't say boiled down into but it's you know i i like to i like to see exactly what people did in their their past and you know why they've ended up where they are and from the and, few uh, things that you've mentioned, it definitely yeah. makes a lot of sense. And learning the yeah. underlying issues and fixing those problems, like a little puzzle, it, it makes sense that you're working with, with, the other team now.
1: Definitely. And it, it's actually kind of funny that the community I was a part of with con Langing and who I learned a lot of linguistics from, mm. they were the same people who introduced me to overwatch. So, I see. If not for that, <laughs> what <laughs> it's would you say how it all comes
0: together a small world, right? Yeah. What would you say was the most interesting uh, conlang, if I'm if I'm using the term correctly? What was your um, what was the one one that just sticks out top of the head?
1: One that I made. Uh, none of the ones I made were that interesting. A lot of them were. What friendly. would you like
0: that you studied? Let's say,
1: okay. like, was okay.
0: there an interesting one that you found?
1: Um, so my friend Lucille made one called I want to say it was Van Van something like that, and that that one was very much about. Breaking a language down to its most logical components mm-hmm. and turning that into a language—it's almost like thinking of a language, thinking of how you can make a computer language an actual language. Okay. There was a lot of, I speaking as someone who doesn't know any programming languages, but a lot of what you think about how programming languages work—it's very logical, step by step. Mm-hmm. It's using the same blocks in different ways. Uh, a friend of mine made a language quite fleshed out, actually based on those kind of blocks and that was always interesting to look into of i don't understand how you are able to do this but it's really interesting that you have
0: it's it's funny that we we talk about linguistics because i just uh, you know I, I woke up earlier not feeling super hot you know starting to feel like i'm coming down with a cold but uh you know caught up with one of the latest episodes of oversight with with thorin and monty and they had brought up uh esperanto which is yeah. you know this this big something that I hadn't heard of before you know they had mentioned it and I had Giska a uh, fellow friend and, and kind of a colleague explain it as this like big um kind of constructed language that this you know I think he was a Polish doctor created to kind of solve world you know violence and, and to kind of create yeah. world peace and yeah it was it was it was quite interesting I had like a little dive into that and yeah. it's it's interesting
1: it, how it how it ties into this it does have a little bit of a reputation with maybe like Baby's first conlang. Ah, okay. Um, it's it's um, I can appreciate. It was definitely very interesting to learn about, and uh, it's definitely maybe one of the most successful of that ideas of constructed language coming up with constructed language. Mm. But it is uh, in the grand scheme of how how linguistics actually works, it is a fairly basic thing to put together. Mm, okay, uh, mm. and it also came under a lot of criticism that even though it's even though the idea behind it was to kind of create a universal language, sure. it's very Eurocentric as a language. So maybe it could be mm. a good pan-European language, but it doesn't make, it doesn't have that same level of connection to someone who speaks Arabic or speaks Mandarin, for example. Sure.
0: That definitely makes sense. Yeah. When I had, when I had started looking into it for the you know, a couple of minutes that I was like, what is this? Like, what are they talking about? And yeah, it was like this mix of a lot of European languages and, and, yeah. and, you know, I think one of the Google searches that kind of autocorrects to is like, what language is most closely related to Esperanto? And I think like Italian and like Polish were like the top two. So definitely yeah. understand what you're saying there. But uh, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Linguistics, huh? Yeah, that's weird, but cool. It, it's not a bad thing. It, yeah. It's, it's just, you know, li- finding people that have uh, hobbies that are just completely out of the ordinary. Like it's, it's interesting to kind of uh, explore that with them and, and why they like it and how it's affected them. You know in their in their current lives and like it, i mentioned again
1: it, again it boils down to fig- like you were saying figuring mm-hmm. out the underlying themes what makes everything work and then that building up into puzzles you can solve and trying to learn as much as you can now i can see in those terms i can see how something like that maybe uh mm-hmm. get, is the foundation for where i've ended up now working coaching because maybe it is similar principles when you put it that way
0: to kind of piggyback off of that idea, do you think that something else might come along that you'll be kind of interested in and kind of fixate on? Is it do you think that coaching right now is your new fixation, I guess would be the question.
1: Um I don't know. I feel I feel like coaching the move into coaching at least came a lot more naturally than a lot of these sudden changes I've done before. Okay. And like I said, Overwatch in general and esports in general is the most major fixation I've had, if mm. we're going to use that term, other than maths, which has been a constant throughout my entire life. My sure. parents were, my parents realised quite early on that I had much more of a mathematical ability than really anyone else in my family. So that was kind of, I wouldn't, say, I feel like railroaded has two kind of negative implications. <laughs> sure. but it was always the natural path I was going to go to, go mm. down, ending up on studying a math, a maths degree at uni now. Uh, and the only thing that's ever come close to having that kind of level is just being constant theme has been the work I've been doing in the last year and a half in Overwatch and in esports in general.
0: Hmm. And, and that's, what that's what is interesting to me because it doesn't seem, and again, this is just my kind of analysis of, of just, yeah. you know, kind of diving into your past and, and some of your your skill sets. Um, it, it is interesting to see, or it would be interesting to see exactly what what you're doing in like five years. Is, is it coaching or is it something else that, you know, you've kind of
1: found a little bit more interesting, you know? Uh, so, something still in eSports, hopefully. Um, oh, sure. Again, coaching is my current priority and mm-hmm. my aim right now is to kind of tie it well together. My aim right now is to put Square One in the best position we can be over the sure. next season at least. After the season, maybe we'll evaluate, evaluate options. It depends what happens with the team, how well we do, mm-hmm. what happens to everyone else, players and staff on the team. We can't know what what you know yeah. what what the future and holds. That, maybe that's a situation to reassess. But for now, at least, I am committed to coaching with this team because it. I'm trying to think how to put it. It's not in the sense like I, I owe it to them. I definitely enjoy doing this, and I'm happy to be here. But but there's a loyalty my, to yeah. it. You know, this, they gave loyalty. me this, this is my job now. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, they, they kind of took a chance on me and I want to, to give them as much as I can and, you know, yeah. push them forward as, as far as at least I can take them. You know, if, if they, yeah, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from in, in that aspect. Uh, let's talk about uh, Group B or uh, NA, NA West. You know, we have Atlanta Academy, XL2. Um, how difficult do you think this is going to be? You know, what are some of the, your projections, maybe some of your, the, the, the team's goals, like what's, What's this season looking like for you guys?
1: It's interesting to look ahead along. Um, give me a second You're okay. to, I'm just gonna bring up the group so I've got a mm-hmm. quick refresher of who exactly is in each group. I feel like looking at our group again, I don't want to put too much talk into maybe we have tougher academies than yeah, our opponents. That's fair. I don't I don't feel like that's a productive conversation, no. but I think looking at our group I have decent expectations. I think okay. we, especially how the last couple of weeks went in the trials, I would say we are the strongest trials, even unsigned team looking at I believe, looking at uh, te- second gen. That's the one. The mm-hmm. one that isn't second wind. because <laughs> they've just changed the name and it yes. escaped me. Second gen. Looking at them as well, I feel like with how they've unfortunately been a bit mishmash, we have a lot of the players moving on to Montreal. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're maybe a stronger team than that i my personal aim is for us to be the best non-academy team maybe not like next second wind last night's nice leftovers maybe mm-hmm. we we'll won't reach, reach those heights but we want to be the best on best non-academy team and we want to take it to the academy teams as well i feel like that is a healthy goal for yeah, us to of course. This season. you know it's not and that that's not just looking like at group b itself but in the general context of contenders I want people to look at both group a and group b and say square one they're the guys to keep an eye on
0: that feels very reachable now i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna press you a little bit on that okay what's your star's goal and to explain exactly what that means right so think of the the idiom you know you know reach for the stars and you'll land uh, you know um, amongst you know uh, whatever you know the moon right what's the super out there? It might not work, but this would be super awesome if we could get this. What is what is Show, that
1: thing? Showdown. We showdown. want to make... Our aim is to make it to showdown. And it'll be a tough road. We'd have to fight through and knock out quite a few tough academy teams to do mm-hmm. it. But that is... I'd say our stars goal for the team. We want to make it to LAN, and we want to prove that a bunch of players who aren't getting paid academy wages to play this game don't have that kind of backing. It's the first time any of the players and any of the staff, except Gizmo, who we just added, have Mm -hmm. made it to contenders itself. We want to prove we can go all the way, and we are looking at Showdown as that's where we'd like to be. And I feel like that's that's definitely our mentality, and I feel like that's the healthy mentality for any team to have, regardless Mm -hmm. of region, regardless of signed or not. That's the mentality I think every team should have. You should be aspiring for land,
0: very goals focused i think is uh yeah. something that coaching is uh quite quite heavily about you know setting setting reasonable goals and setting long-term mm-hmm. you know long game expectations and long-term goals you know mm-hmm. and working towards that day after day after day after day and grinding and grinding yeah. working on the fundamentals to get to that point yeah. and it, it, it sounds like everybody's got their their head on straight mm-hmm. um so let's talk. Let's talk nitty gritty stuff because Overwatch is going okay. through a bit of a shift. Bit yeah. of a shift. Um, obviously, with in regards to the Overwatch League, um, which we are kind of currently recording before week three, I believe. I think yeah. if I'm, I think I'm getting that right. Um, yeah. We are, we are, we are still seeing a ton of goats. Is that, uh, is that echoed within uh, trials and contenders preseason so far? Is that is that something that we're still seeing quite a bit of?
1: I feel like. Maybe it it definitely varies from team to team, like hmm. we're seeing the Overwatch watch league. Of course. Uh I feel like Everybody's got a Chung old. Do. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not seeing anyone on the <laughs> level of Chengdu. <laughs> fair, fair so far, enough, fair there enough. There is a definite if you can definitely tell which teams like the goats and just want to keep running those those kinds of compositions and which teams I uh, like to mix it up a little bit more. i like to come out with these multiple DPS compositions and run the newer stuff. Mm. Um, I think Skyfox is a very good example of team that they ran effectively no-goats all, th- all throughout trials. They basically just ran off these same Sombra Ana composition all the time. Mm. And a large part of... I feel like maybe it was good practice looking forward to contenders. We spent a lot of the week r- running up to the Skyfox's game, studying that composition in depth, trying to break it down and figure out how to beat it. We ran it a lot ourselves trying to figure stuff out. We tried to come up with possible counters, how we can use Ghost to counter it. And I feel like maybe that was good practice for us moving into contenders, fixating on what exactly the opponent runs week to week and how we can game plan against it. And yeah, it, it's it's varying. There's a lot of teams running Ghosts. There's a lot of teams mixing up. We're seeing a lot of Samba. We're seeing some DPS comps. I'm not sure how much... Specifically, I can say particularly sure, about sure. this kind of stuff we're doing, but mm-hmm. no leaks. It, yeah, no leaks. But there is a little bit of variety, at least. Okay. Goats. It's kind of like a watch leak. Goats is still the bread and butter, but the occasionally detail. you get occasionally you get some jam it or some peanut butter on top of it. Occasionally we get something new.
0: <laughs> now, something that is seemingly going to, or maybe maybe it won't. Who knows? Um, something that might shake up the the game is this new PTR patch, which obviously introduces Hero 30, which is Baptiste, um, yes. and a massive patch notes section that I think people are a little bit, you know, uh, sleeping on because of the new new flashy toy that we get. Um, yeah. I don't know if how much in-depth you've looked at it, but uh, your first thoughts when you saw Baptiste and the, the new uh, PTR patch?
1: I think Baptiste looks like a lot of fun. Mm. He's definitely one of those series that on my rare venturing into comp mode i'll try and pick him up try and do as best i can with him sure. um my hands don't work too good i'm not good at the whole aiming thing but i'll i'll play around with him see how funny he is i know a, a couple of our players are fairly excited for him as well um i'm a little bit cautious about some parts of his kit i don't know how i feel about the, the
0: giant impervious
1: damage totem Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know how I feel about immortality. (laughs) I feel like uh, it's going to make I don't think people appreciate how strong it might make bunker comps on a lot of these defenses, especially Mm -hmm. when you combine it with his amplification matrix as well. Um, It's definitely going to be a huge counter to grav bomb combo, which is one of the one of the most important aspects of goats at the moment, Mm -hmm. because obviously you can pull off this huge combo, everyone's still, still going to be alive with for like 40 HP or more if you're a tank or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much fear, cra- fear crafting is actually valuable at this point because sure, every course. time we see it, they can wave be completely. Yeah, every time we see a huge wave of patch notes on PTR or every time a new hero is introduced in this regard, people fear craft for a while and then. A lot of people end up being completely wrong like
0: mm-hmm. i
1: remember when Brig came out and we saw how her kit could counter tracer and there was still the sentiments of no you can still run dive you just need to be careful to play about the mm-hmm. play with the brakita uh, look how that turned out so, <laughs> well I'm you're wrong call.
0: and then we were right you know it was <laughs> yeah. it was a weird you know shift
1: yeah i've got some ideas about how baptist is going to work and i'm intrigued to play around with him but again mm-hmm it's not going to be in contenders coming up. We're unsure about if he'll be in playoffs, but at the very least in regular season, it's not something we need to worry about. So as much as we're going, it's nice to fear craft about these changes and how Baptiste is going to shake things up. It's not something we've put too much shock into because we just focus on what's ahead of us.
0: Of course, of course. You know, if if we're not, uh, if you're not threatened by it just yet, there's no reason to to pursue it. Maybe on a day off or something, you know, maybe we'll kick up some PTR scrims, but uh, I I, I can definitely uh, understand that.
1: I know a couple of our players. Um, sure. I've been playing around with Baptiste and I do need to have a chat with them about maybe some of their thoughts, but I personally haven't been able to play around too much with the PTR yet. Interesting, interesting,
0: interesting. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be weird because I think they're, if I had to, to guess, if I had to make a prediction, I feel like they're going to push that out towards stage two of Overwatch League. So they're going to have stage one, you know, go through that. It's GOATS, that's the meta now. And they're going to, try and drastically shift things for stage 2 because obviously there's a very uh,
1: polarizing discussion about GOATS at the moment. Uh, and uh, Yeah, absolutely. Especially we're looking at how they handled patches last year and some of the comments yep. Nate made pre-season about how they want to change things this year. I definitely anticipate